Imagine you're watching a songbird bounce up and down on a rock near a stream. All of a sudden, the small passeriform jumps in. You might assume something is wrong. What does a little bug eater need to dive underwater for? The white-throated dipper defies convention by acting more like a waterfowl than their tree-perching kin. But such is the way of innovation in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal information. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. Thank you to Cassie for the creation of our theme song. To hear more of Cassie's music, please search Cassie Michelle on YouTube. And thank you to Brian for the creation of this week's artwork. To check it out, you can visit us uh, on Facebook or Twitter at LD Taxonomy or visit us at our home on the web, LDTaxonomy.com. And today we're talking about a bird that loves chocolate chip cookies. But more on that later. Milk's favorite bird. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what we're talking about? What is Milk's favorite bird? Is this just because of the coloration, or did I miss them? Did I seriously <laughs> misread the major fact? <laughs> it, it is. It loves. It's just great with milk. It, <laughs> just take this living bird and dip it in some milk, and then uh, crunch away. Cookie crisp. Crunch away, crunch away, crunch away all. Um, well, we're talking about the white-throated dipper. You yeah, di- dipper. Dip it, dip in, it milk. in milk. It's milk's favorite bird. Sh- sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's also known as the European dipper. Uh, for reasons we will discuss. Uh, that should be pretty obvious. But we're going to call it here. And this one's a, this one's from Brian. River Song. Eh? Nice. Which is good. Doctor Who reference. Diver Dipper Down. Yeah. And my personal favorite, Bobbing Fisher. <laughs> I like that. Searching. River Phoenix would have worked. Phoenix? Because Phoenix is a bird and River Phoenix is a person. Joaquin Phoenix's late brother. I had had no idea about that. <laughs> You just you took me down through several mental states. I was like, "Is this is this X Men?" Okay, no, it's not X Men. Okay, it's Joaquin Phoenix, brother. (laughs) River, what's happening? River Um, Phoenix is a celebrity. He's dead though. Okay, did not died as celebrities do. Very true. But let's taxonomize this. You ready? I sure am. Let's perform one science on this. It's in a kingdom you know, love, and are in. That kingdom is... Animalia. The phylum is Chordata. Class is Aves, because we're talking about a bird. And we're back to the biggest order of birds, Passeriformes. So this is crows and things like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, The family is Synclidae. Synclidae. The genus is Synclus, and the species is, again, Synclus. So it's Synclus, Synclus. Synclidae, Synclus, Synclus. With the genus, you've got nowhere to go with the species. 
yeah but even some uh i guess there's there's some uh species that are the only member of their genus and yet it's still different from the word is still different from the genus but Ooh. it's since we're in the business of naming things it's time for my favorite part of the show Critter groups. The part of the show where I ask you, Joe, a question, and that question is the same every time. What is the name for a group of this animal, the white-throated dipper? Uh, or what is the term of entering? Or what is a collective noun? Since uh, the white-throated dipper is technically a tern, which is a kind of bird, we're going to be talking about terns. If you saw a group of terns, I love I love doing this for birds, by the way, because uh, ornithologists have come up with all kinds of fun ways to describe groups of birds, and it's not flock. I wish that ichthyologists would do the same thing for fish, because it's always a school of fish, <laughs> and there's so many fish. Um, but you know, at least uh, I guess there are there aren't that many fish watchers. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's much more uh, cost um, prohibitive than to, to watch fish on a regular basis than it is to watch birds, at least with regularity. So, if you saw a group of terns, would you say it's A, an archetype of terns, B, a Baelish of terns, C, a cotillion of terns, or D, a dirk of terns? Do you know what a cotillion is? What? Do you know what cotillion means? I'm not answering any questions until you finish <laughs> this. Uh, I'm going to go with cotillion. Final answer. You're correct. <laughs> How uh, did you know? know? A, do you know what a cotillion is? No, I don't know what a cotillion is. It's a, it's, it means a group of turns. Like, I, a cotillion class is like... It's like, um... It's where you learn, like, table manners and how to, like... Formally, da form formal dance. Like, it's how to you learn how to be a impolite, uh, how how to be polite in fancy society. So, how did that clue you into that being? Birds the are fancy, <laughs> and it seems <laughs> okay. like something. that seems like a name that would be assigned to birds, like a parliament of owl. Everything about birds is fancy. Um, that's not true. Name a term of venery for birds that's not fancy. A murder of crows? Super fancy. <laughs> a gentleman A gobble murder. of turkeys? <laughs> is that what it is? A gobble? Yeah. It's one of many, so if we ever do turkeys, I have uh, several to choose from, but I don't want to ruin any more. Name five. <laughs> they're, they're, not all, they're not all fancy for sure, but clearly your, uh, your method of figuring the, of... Uh, correlation worked out i think have i used baelish before i don't think so i don't think so it was i just made up that word it probably means something i think it's like a, a celebrity name it's kind of food it's food oh it's Littlefinger's name from game of thrones is it yeah oh no i was uh i don't know that that word just came into my head and i just I was like, oh, that sound, that's a goofy made-up thing that sounds like it's a group of stuff. And then a dirk is like a knife. Yeah. So all of that 
is to say that cotillion is the term of venery, and it just dripped with fancy fancy bird stuff. Okay, I'll remember to always put ban- fancy bird things for critter groups for <laughs> for birds. This is gonna be a a posh. I don't know, I don't know enough fancy stuff. I didn't even know cotillion, so I'm surprised you knew that off the cuff. There's there's a podcast where they read weird reviews of different places and one of them was revere reviews of cotillion classes so that's where i learned what cotillion was interesting everything i learned about cotillion i learned against my will (laughs) under duress (laughs) duress fancy learning all right you ready to talk about what this thing looks like sure before you dip it into milk and crunch on it so it has an overall build of a sandpiper. If you look at it, it kind of looks like a yeah, kind of like a big sandpiper, um, which is one of my favorite uh, Pixar shorts. It's Piper. Check it out; it's great. Um, but so it's like a big sandpiper with a. It has a rotund body. With a yeah, I was uh, wondering: is it a chunky little bird, or is it always puffed up because it lives in cold climates? I mean, I think it's. I think it's just chunky. I don't think it constantly puffs itself up. That would be labor intensive. Would it be? Have you ever puffed up? Yeah. Forever? No. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, it lives in cold cold climates, but it's not always cold. And it also lives in some not cold climates as well. And it's still chunky in those not cold climates? Yeah. I mean, it's all the same animal. Because it lives in like uh, Spain and and the stands and stuff like that. I guess it does get cold occasionally, but there's, you wouldn't consider um, Spain to be a, a cold place. It's arid. So yeah, it has that rotund body with a prominent chest. Looks like it's puffing itself up. Uh, long legs. Uh, its feathers are black or dark brown along the back and tail and wings. And there's a small uh, rufous patch or... Uh, Wikipedia describes it as a warm chestnut patch just <laughs> underneath the shoulders. Um, and then the head and face are brown, like a lighter brown than the shoulders or than the um, than the back and wings. And, uh, of course, as the name suggests, uh, the Bobby's throat is stark white. Bobby? Um, the And the beak and legs are black. So... It's basically, uh, I mean, it's it, if you saw it, you would think it's it's a it's a chunky sandpiper. Yeah, but I'm seeing some like slender versions of the bird. Are you sure they're not juveniles? They may be juveniles before they've laid on the chunk. As juveniles are wont to, or the as they are, they usually. Mm-hmm. Our, our remiss is to lay on some chonk. <laughs> but it is bigger than a sandpiper. And bigger, th- smaller than a bread basket. Oh, I thought it was bread box. But yeah, it is smaller than a bread box. Bigger than a sandpiper. Oh, was that what you were going to say? No, what is it? Is, is it? It's bigger than a bread box, smaller than a microwave? Oh, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, but- <laughs> anyway, it's time for the listener's favorite, the official listener's favorite part of the show. Welcome to the beloved Measure Up segment, the part of the show when we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms through 
a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's also part of the show that's introduced by you when you send an audio of yourself saying, singing, or chittering. The words measure up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. We don't have a new measure up intro this week. Bummer. But that means we get to hear from an animal, and Carlos has to guess what it is. I went with a, a particular theme in this. In this. So without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. Human. Is that A, a snow leopard? B, a snowy owl? C, a snowshoe hare? Or D, an arctic fox? I see the theming you went with. (laughs) Chili animals. Snow leopard, snowy owl... It's so hot in here. I have to think cold thoughts. Hair. And then uh, Arctic fox. What what animal would people whistle at? Probably not a leopard. Could be an owl. People whistle at birds. Probably not a hare. I'm between fox and owl. I'm going to go with the snowy owl. Final answer. Final answer. Snowy owl. Yes. The correct answer was Arctic Fox. Ah. I, I, I realize she says the animal's name is Jinxy, and I'm like, oh, man, that screams Fox name. Oh, I didn't. I wasn't paying attention to what she was saying. Yeah, I, I'm glad. Because there's no owl named. Well, an owl, maybe. An owl is a nighttime creature. could be called Jinx. But there's no rabbit or leopard named Jinx. You don't, uh, you, you don't know that. Yeah, you name whatever you want, whatever you want. It really just excludes the hair. I feel like hairs. Harry Potter named his snowy owl Hedwig, so. Well, that's because everything in the Rowling universe has to have a weird name like that. It's Hedwig. Hogwarts. It's, it's, it's uh, foot shoe. It's hand glove. <laughs> All the owls, my favorites chest shirt Uh, let's talk length leg pants that one that one's a dumb one the white throated dipper is 18 centimeters or 7.1 inches long pretty big bigger than a sandpiper yes definitely how many white throated dippers go into the thickness of yas i always look up the name the how to pronounce these and then forget by the time we record yas whedon yas Norway's uh-huh. largest glacier. Oh. Here's a hint. The glacier is located in Vestland County in Fjord, Norway. Vest- See, Fjord, Vestland. When it comes to Norway, that's pretty l- light, you know, pretty easy to pronounce. Uh, and it's not just Norway's largest glacier. It's the largest uh, in continental Europe. Uh, the glacier covers 487 square kilometers. And you're looking for the tasteful thickness of it. Um, uh, I'm going to say 70 feet. I don't know. I've never actually seen a glacier. So I imagine 
There's just a wall of ice. It's moving down. A wall of ice and fire. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to go with 70 feet. It's probably not less, but it could definitely be more. Um, all right. I'll go with 118. 120. Just round it off. 120 dippers? Yes. Final answer. Um. Yes. The correct answer is 3,333 dippers. Oh, it's close. <laughs> Yastadal's brain is 600 meters thick, which is close to 2,000 feet. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, can I change my answer? No. Please. You can pray you do well on the next one, <laughs> which is let's talk weight. Please, Lord, let me do well on this next one. 2.2 ounces or 62.3 grams. How many white-throated dippers go into the heaviest shoes ever walked in? Here's a hint. Okay. The record was set by an American. Heck yes. Uh, he's a career record breaker named Ashrita Furman. Furman currently holds 531 records and has broken more than 600. The Bones. shoes were worn in Pottersfield, London in 2010. London is in the UK, by the way. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. You're like, like in those movies where they have an establishing shot of what's clearly London, and then they put London on the screen, and then UK. It's like, oh, that London. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a London in Georgia, but, you know, this th it's this one. Heaviest shoes. Speaking of the UK, this animal was suggested by Natalie from... Oh, I thought she's from the, the, the Across the Ages podcast. So she's from the UK, and there's an episode on shoes that she did. So this is a perfect homage. I imagine just this guy with concrete blocks on these shoes and just like kind of scooting, scooting backwards. Um, but that's probably not what you need to get the Guinness need to do in order to get the uh, world record for walking in the heaviest shoes. You get get some get some cement shoes. Means the mob's gonna drown you. Um, mm -hmm. I'll say to both shoes. What? To no, get it's both just... or one uh, shoe. Oh no! I have no idea <laughs> if it's both or one. Oh, that's that's gonna make a difference whether I double it or not. I'll let you do some research. You know how the Guinness Book of World Records web web pages are incredibly vague? No, I've never been on the site. The heaviest shoes walked in weighed blank, and that's it. All right, well, at least it's plural, so shoes. It's That sounds like you're talking about both shoes. Um... When really all the work comes down to being able to lift one foot with half of that weight. So I'm going to say 200 pounds. 100 pounds for each shoe. No, that's not enough. 150 for each shoe. So 300 total. 
So I'm going to say 2,180 uh, white-throated dippers go into the weight of this man's uh, Air Jordans. It's crazy. Every article I read, like, they're not specifying that. That detail, that particular one. And I think it's because the Guinness World Record book didn't specify, so nobody knows. Yeah, nobody else was there. Nobody, Nobody else can do original research on this tweet the guy okay final answer yep 2180 the correct he could have shoes that were basically just a box of 2180 birds the correct answer was 2349 whoa so close the shoes were 146.5 kilograms Okay. Or 330 or 23 pounds. I was 23 pounds off. That's that, such a shame because I think they're. The way he walks in them, he just barely lifts. He mostly slides them. Yeah, 150 pounds on, your, on a foot with like your ankle. That's a lot. Yeah. So, like, I was thinking they're 300 pounds. Like,. How is this possible? And the road looks slick, so it's just like he's just sliding him. But if they're just if they're less, then okay, yeah, they'd have to be. But that is some that reporting is not good. Bad reporting. I want a picture of the. There's video of it too. They're big. He they add like probably a foot to his height. This guy's having a blast. (laughs) Maybe six inches. This is his whole deal. But it's like a platform. But like, this guy doesn't look particularly strong. I feel like he he gets the award just for having owned the heaviest shoes. He gets them for walking in them. But like Hulk Hogan could, could walk in much heavier shoes and get the... Like, I don't get why... I mean, I guess there's a ton of world records. Why wouldn't they write, like, how far did he walk in them? What were the rules for the heaviest shoes to walk in? Come on. Anyway. That's all I got for that. Do you have any fast facts before we get into the major fact? This guy kind of looks like Martin Short. Sorry. Um, Yes, I do. So, the white-throated dipper uh, lives in... It has a kind of peculiar uh, habitat and range. Well, specifically range. um, Because it's not just one swath. Uh, It's it's in scattered uh, locales across Western and Southern Europe. Um, So... That basically it has a population in every Western European country and most of the Eastern European countries, um, including the British Isles and Ireland and Scandinavia. Uh, it is Norway's national bird, in fact. Uh, it's got populations in Russia as well as the Near East, in Turkey, Iran, a few of the stands. Um, it is, it's, stre- yeah, so it stretches from the Middle East all the way up to, 
like Sweden, Norway, and and the British Isles. So uh, it's it's all over the place. Um, it's diet consists of worms, uh, aquatic ah, a diet of worms. Yes, a diet. Can or can't a diet of worms, worms, um, because it's here. It stands. It can do no other mm-hmm. um, except to eat insect larvae. Beetles, clams, snails, frogs, and shrimp. You'll notice a, a unique aquatic vibe to its to its palate. Uh, and before I say anything else, I'll let you go ahead and take over with a major fact. Okie dokie. Uh, Natalie, by the way, said that this is the UK's only aquatic songbird. Aquatic, you said? How could how could this be? Well, here we go. Uh, if the white-throated dipper was a toy, he'd be relegated to the island of misfit toys. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, the, the dipper loves to spend his days by running rivers and streams. You may find him perched on a rock that's emerging from the water where he will perform a small bouncy dance that's adorable to see. And it, he uses this dance to to worship the Griffin, the King Griffin Moonracer. The excuse me, what? <laughs> King Moonracer, the oh, oh, yeah, the king yeah. of the island of misfit toys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why did he have such a cool name? <laughs> because <laughs> the toys are happy here. <laughs> uh, George Takei. He sounded. does sound like Tor- George it's Takei. Not, I don't think, but it's, it's definitely it's, not. Um. These chubby little birds look like your typical garden seed eater. They don't have the webbed feet of a waterfowl or the long legs of a stork, and yet they get most of their sus- I wrote substance or subsistence. That works. Yeah, there you I go. Meant Just- sustenance from the water. Uh, they they wade into streams to catch minnows or water bugs, but their aquatic ant- activities don't stop there. They will also fully submerge their little bird bodies underwater for some tasty morsels. Uh, they may hop from a rock or the bank into the water, but they may also dive with the spirit and, and determination of an eagle. Uh, the strange sight of a small bird walking or diving into the water on purpose has created some legends about this feathered f- fisher of bugs. Uh, they <laughs> you'd fish. think that you'd think that it would be really 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 hard for a bird that size to stay underwater well part of the legend about this bird is that they are said to divide defy gravities and the laws of buoyancy gravities all of them all all the gravities all six gravities <laughs> they made a marvel movie about that <laughs> <laughs> they 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 are thought to defy buoyancy by walking into a river and hopping around on the river bottom without being swept away or floating. Like uh, like the pirates in Pirates of the Caribbean? Like the yeah. evil pirates? However, this is an inaccurate assumption. They can stand on a river bottom when they need to, but they do so by gripping uh, the bottom with the bottom, gripping the bottom with their feet. So... It's more like they're grabbing onto soil and rocks and things on the on the ground and defying buoyancy. 
when they move around underwater, they'll swim like your puffin or any other underwater bird. Swim like they're flying. Uh, they've become so good at farming rivers and streams for resources that they don't have to fly south like other birds when the winter months um, cover everything in snow. Um, but some birds will fly south or descend to lowlands of their regions. But wherever there is open running water, you may find dippers um, through the winter months. Uh, with winter habits... The winter habits of a dipper may vary on an individual basis. So some enjoy snowy banks and crisp streams, while others just say, yeah, I'll fly south, whatever. You know, there's streams down south as well. Uh, mm, crisp. So aquatic life seems to be inborn in dippers. Even young featherless hatchlings will dive into the water when they're threatened. This is so... This all works toward that uh, the Pixar short I was talking about, Piper, where he learns how to be an aquatic bird. Yeah, that's true. Not even humans are uh, inborn with the ability to swim. Yes, they are. Uh, Babies swim on instinct. Without dying? No, but they do (laughs) (laughs) swim. I guess everything then is born with the instinct to swim if not dying isn't part of the equation. You can <laughs> you can swim for a while without dying as, as long as you uh, – until you run out of breath. So we just teach babies how to swim longer? <laughs> or swim well enough to keep your head above the water. But um, an infant's instinct when put – when submerged is to uh, A, hold the breath and B, to uh, paddle. Well, okay, you will have a baby, a brand new baby pretty soon. You have a toddler already. So just, you can test this. Well, like water births. You know, they do that, water births. Sure. And you've seen the uh, the Nirvana um, yeah. album cover. Babies are just good swimmers, all of them. <laughs> well, I guess they do swim for nine months, technically. I guess float around, yeah. Well, you actually, so yeah, it's, it's an instinct to move your arms and legs in the water as an infant, um, and then swimming has to be, actual swimming has to be taught. But yes, anyway, it is an instinct. <laughs> it's it's just not, it's odd because it's not effective enough to keep a baby alive. Well, it hopefully is for hatchlings because they're trying to escape danger, not jump into it. Right. So if you are super into nice, serene nature documentaries, there are a ton of beautifully shot white-throated dipper videos on YouTube. For some reason, it seems like these guys are like really popular among nature photographers. Like they're, they're a good um, trophy to have if you get a really good shot of these dippers dipping. Um, and if you go to ldtaxonomy.com, uh, uh, I'll link to a really nice uh, documentary by a guy named Gunnar Dressler on YouTube. And you can see some sh- serene shots of a dipper in action. But that's all I got. Nice. All right. That was the White-Throated Dipper, Milk's Favorite Bird. 
<laughs> so for you out there in Podcastia, stay anchored. Go where the getting's good. And dance like nobody's watching, like Bobbing Fisher here in Life, Death, and Taxonomy. Hey Taxonomy Titans, thanks for listening to the episode. Just a few quick things. As always, reviews and social media engagement are greatly appreciated, but recommending the podcast to friends is the best way to help us grow. If you'd like some LDT-flavored merch, check out teespring.com stores taxonomy tees. That's it. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. I demand that you change the facts to suit my narrative, please.